I was, I was about to say Ron Burgundy, but like, that's not right. <laughs> he probably doesn't go camping. It's time for this quarters of the machine. I hit the start button. It's time for the Making Geeks podcast, a podcast for makers, families, and geeks. Hey guys, what's up? What is up? How's it going? How's it going? Um, so last week we didn't uh, record, but we did something a little bit different. We played a older episode from the vault. So for all of you that loaded that up and uh, kind of walk in memory lane with this, you know, we kind of appreciate it and hoping it was kind of um, nice having some sort of continuity of episodes, um, even though it was one from uh, the past. With a 200 in the catalog now, I, I don't think it should be too too bad to go back and listen to something that we recorded before. Um, hopefully hearing how far we've come and hopefully producing better content since since then too. Because that episode was a while ago. That was what episode thirty something? Yeah, I think it was. Yeah. That was fairly early on by by comparison. So yeah. Yeah, before you started numbering them. Was it? You mean like in you the didn't intro? Say the number of the episode. I was curious how old that one was because I hadn't heard it before. Well that's kind of the you know hope is that that is the similar experience for a lot of listeners where they don't haven't dipped into the back catalog. So it's still kind of new for them in a way. So it's one of my favorites. A lot of of our listeners are fairly new within the last year or so, actually not, not all of them, but I mean, there's a fair number. So what have you guys been up to since it's been what, about almost two weeks since we talked. Um, busy, lots of things. Um, enjoying one. On my trip, uh, it went pretty good. Uh, we went to uh, kind of central Virginia, southern s- central Virginia, to, to go camping. Typically, uh, this time of year, it's a annual uh, campout uh, for just like the dads in my like um, stay-at-home dad maker slash maker communities. Uh, originally, it was just stay-at-home dads, but then I sort of started pulling in people that weren't necessarily dads, just other cool guys as well. It's just a kind of a break from the kids basically is, is the purpose of it. And the reason we have it this time of year is because typically it's too cold for the kids to want to go camping. Cause it's, it's, it's at the end of February, um, which we can have even in the middle of February, we can have like teens and stuff sometimes. So it, it's been our annual tradition. Uh, this year was our ninth year, I, th- I believe maybe eighth. We calculated it. I think it was eighth. Yeah. Um, and it was called the uh, annual freeze your nuts off camping trip, but this year it was not as cold as previous years, uh, and it was also a lot wetter. Uh, typically, it's tent camping, but because this will, would have been the third year in a row where we camp in the rain, um, we didn't really want to pack wet, cold stuff up again. Like on Sunday when we go to leave, like tents and sleeping bags, and you know. Uh, tarps that we usually set up like a tarp city, which is really fun uh, over the campsite. But if everything's all all wet, then it's, it makes it kind of miserable getting home and unpacking it, let it dry out so it doesn't mildew and all that fun stuff. So to avoid all that, we rented a cabin instead. So it was just a friend of mine uh, that's a local friend here within our like COVID bubble. Um, his family is. And then uh, him and I went and we were the original founders of this um, camp out. We did the first one together. Um, it was fun. It had power and like, I brought my switch and we kind of weren't as rustic as we normally are, but we felt we deserved it after a rough year this last year and stuff. So, um, yeah. So you're a little bit more Tom Haberford and not enough. Uh, (laughs) I paid my dues, I think for the, um, um, Ron Swanson, right? Yeah. Ron Swanson. Mm-hmm. I was gonna. That was like Nick Offerman, but that's not in his case. Yeah, Ron Swanson. I was. I was about to say Ron Burgundy, but like, that's not right. <laughs> he probably doesn't go camping. Please tell me that one of you designed a logo for the freezer nuts off. Uh, you know, we've actually yeah. tossed a couple uh, logos around, but we never really settled on one. Probably on the tenth one, I'll try to make like a challenge coin or something for all the people that attend it. Um, in the past, it's been actually pretty popular. We had, I think, maximum capacity. One year, I think we had like 12 or 13 dads or guys like show up. Uh, we had two, had to reserve two campsites worth 
Uh, we had like multiple tents. It was pretty fun. We had like multiple firings going, and uh, it was it was great. Like a couple of our maker friends, like uh, Sean uh, Farbalin, who's a maker on the move. He uh, he's gone to a couple of them in the past, and uh, Josh was supposed to come up for one uh, a couple years ago, but it ended up getting snowed out and he was like, I'm not driving up through this like blizzard basically to get here to go camping. Um, so you never know what's going to happen during that time of year. It's, it's fun. Very cool. But yeah, that's the reason I wasn't here. And that's the reason we didn't record is because it's all my fault. You guys. So as if there was never any, you are the master and commander of this whole operation. (laughs) So, You're the one so, with all the buttons that need pushed. How's you guys yeah, this you week? Well, Donovan, go first. Uh, yeah, <clears throat> mine's been busy. Um, I've been really busy at work and with school, and so I haven't had a lot of time to uh, build much. I got the design done for my next project, which is going to be a doghouse um, based on Link's Awakening, the houses in Link's Awakening, and so I'm going to be working with. I can't remember the name of it. Warpy board, warpy board. It's plywood, but it has a soft center. And so you can bend it and fold it. And the plywood projects that you see, they're oh, like, is he, uh, is he swan calls it like a bendy board, a bendy board. Yeah. I knew it was some, some name that kind of rhymes bendy board. So I'm working with bendy board, uh, and regular plywood to, to make one of the houses from Link's awakening. So I've uh, I've started on that, but I've been so busy that over the past three days, I've been able to screw 12 boards together. And that's been the extent of my time being able to make stuff is screwing 12 boards together. So that's, a, that's about what I've been up to. So I have, uh, it's been a busy week or two weeks for me as well. Um, I got a new piece of equipment in that I've been trying to learn how to use and figuring out, which was a Glowforge, um, which, you know, maybe I'll save the my full discussion of that another time. Um, but my, my wife has been pretty much trying to tackle that and get that going. I'm building a, a custom workbench for it. Um, so that I have a dedicated spot for it in the garage right now. It's like on a folding table and I want it to be on a, a little bit better surface, especially for all the storage of materials and stuff that, um, we're picking up for, I just bought like a pack of 60, uh, 12 by 20 pieces of eighth inch pieces of plywood for it. So we could just throw it in and use it whenever we need. So I'm almost done with the build on that. I actually modeled it up in fusion and I'm going to make that available to like Patreon members and stuff like that and see if I can start offering a little bit more value that way. And that's and then just work. So and that's not very interesting. So yeah, that's a <laughs> the majority of what my time has been going to is you know those uh, two or three projects right there. Nice. Yep. So. Yeah. Judging by uh, some of your stories on Instagram, it looks like you're gonna get through all of those uh, those boards pretty quick. Uh, yeah. Probably. I mean, it just, the scale of the, of the projects is going to, you know, delegate how fast I get through it. Uh, I Were just you got able the, to figure out how to get the, the foldable plywood working? Oh, for the, 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 the living hen, the living hinge, living hinge. Yeah. Yeah. No, not yet. So theoretically the one that I designed should have worked, but I think the curve might need to be a little bit bigger or at least, a a bigger spacing in between the cuts. Um, and the, for whatever reason, it didn't, um, it didn't cut all the way through the wood, which didn't help as well. Um, I got a, um, a recommendation of another site for uh, specifically building and generating those, those types of patterns. So I'm hoping that, you know, based on relative size that the new, um, the new design will work out better. Cause I like the idea what? of having like the foldable, uh, Book covers were you getting uh were you getting ideas and designs off of like thingiverse or where were you going to find them 
So for the living hinge, I forgot where I pulled it from, but I, I pulled it from a, a, a site or design that already had it in, um, like I, I didn't drop by hand. I think it was, it was generated. Um, anyway, I have to go back and redo it anyways, but yeah, the, the logo design thing that I did, I designed that, but the living hinge I pulled from somewhere else. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. So I'll have updated stories on that, I guess when I, if, and when I get it working. I can't seem to drag my wife away from the Glowforge so I can get in and work on some projects. <laughs> so. That was kind of the point in getting it, though, wasn't it? Oh, it, it was. It was. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm not as impressed with it as I um, probably should be or as they think I should be. How so? Don't let Nicole hear you. <laughs> She's playing a video game right now instead of listening to us, so it's fine. Okay. All right. We're it's, good. We're safe. Go ahead. It's, it's locked down in such a, a way that it's really a pain in the butt. You know, I and the alignment is off. The whole thing is based off of a camera and the camera reading the material, and it doesn't read the position of the material correctly, which means that it's it's really not dependable at times. So I have to figure out a way to try to recalibrate the camera. I, yeah. I can't even do like a test fire to find like a starting corner, as far as I know. I mean, I haven't really. I haven't dove in deep to what you can possibly do, but on the surface, it's yeah, it's locked down in a way that I don't like. Hmm. And I've gotten so fast with the K40 and being able to line things up and work that I'm not a hundred percent sold. Hundred percent sold on a machine that costs like four times as much as what I already paid. Actually, more than that. So, Don Did you and get I, the basic or yeah, the, the pro the basic. I got the basic. the basic. I got the basic, which really shouldn't matter for some of the the simple stuff I'm trying to throw at it right now. So, Donna, if you're if you're still in the market for a Glowforge, tread carefully. Um, I actually bought a new laser tube for my K40. So you're in that for a while. <laughs> as, frust as frustrating as it is, I can't afford to uh, experiment with. You know that might that might end up working in your favor though because you were having issues not being able to cut for a long time. So just don't ever go over fifteen milliamps, right? Yeah, just, I and have then, on my yeah on my K forty. Right at fifteen, everything above fifteen, I have it blacked out, and yeah. it's literally written class says no zone. <laughs> so now, if you get a you know theoretically a brand new one, let's assume it works perfectly, get it all aligned. Now you actually might be able to cut it cut things like you might not have been able to with the other one yeah you could have had um, an issue, that's, it's supposed know? to be here tomorrow nice uh and so i'm gonna hook it up and hope hope for the best fingers crossed My, when, you uh, that, when you get that up and running um something i really recommend is cutting a um cutting a shim or a piece of plywood or um, acrylic that is to the exact focal length for your for your lens. That way you can slide it between the piece and the, the bottom of the lens anytime and you know that you're automatically within your focal range. And that's probably gonna make a big difference in your, your cuts. I 3D printed one because when I was redoing the bed for my K40, I wanted to figure out where the optimal bed height was. And so I got a, a 3D printed version off Thingiverse and 3D printed one and use that to set the level of my bed, which I know being this far into the laser cutting, I should know the answer to this, but you want the focal point kind of like you want your, your CNC from what I've learned so far to be at the bed, at the base of your material and not at the top, correct? No. It depends what you're doing. If you're trying to engrave. Yeah, I've, never, I've, never, I've never seen it explained that way because you want the focal point to be at its deepest cut was always my assumption what's always been my assumption with the k40 is that i want i want the bed to be level with the focal point of the laser so no matter what thickness of stuff i put on it it's going to cut through it because the focus yeah. is at the no it's it's like you're like if you took a magnifying glass and, and tried to burn like an ant you know, and you're basically, if you put your hand like 
in between the ant and the magnifying glass, your your focal point's still on where the ant was, right? But your hand's not going to get burned because that dot from the sun is not focused on your hand. You're focusing you're on, me. you know, does that make sense? Like you're 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 focusing <laughs> like through the hand, but you want to cut through the hand. It's actually not doing the damage to the hand or the the material in that. It's always it's always panel. between the the bottom of the lens and the top of the surface. Oh, so there I, should not be a fixed bed. I need an adjustable bed because every piece of material that's a different yeah, height will, is going to be happening. It will give you a lot more flexibility. That's why I built an adjustable bed into my laser cutter. That little scissor lift, you know, even well, Wes is the first one that turned me on, you know, kind of exposed me to that. But I know that my focal length for my lens is two inches. So I have a piece of plywood that I cut. It is 200 inches. I can always slide it right between the surface of my uh, cut, uh, cutting piece and the lens. And I know it's always going to be in the optimal focal range. And also it's not from my understanding and my uh, experience, it's not like a spot for focal length range. There's actually like a plus or minus of the focal range. That's it's a focal range, not a focal point. So you can kind of be within that area as long as, you know, let's say the top surface is within that range. So you can do the engraving and then you have enough depth to go to cut through it. Yeah, um, it's not 100% absolute. It's about a quarter of an inch. That's wh why the maximum thickness of a material is a quarter of an inch that you can cut because that's about, that lies within that range for that particular lens that comes with your K40. You can buy different lenses that change, kind of like different glasses, they change the focal point of the laser. So focal range so that you have a tighter one or a smaller one or a bigger one based on what you're doing. But um, I think it's about 10 millimeters. So it's like five millimeters plus or minus. So, um, so it's 50 it's, millimeters. Yeah. Is that? It's, and it's why you have to run that line test. Yeah. Yeah. The ramp test. Yep. Yep. Uh, so <laughs> it's okay. When, when you get it, just call me. <laughs> just when I think I'm, do I'm doing okay. We've, we've, we've talked you through this before too. Yeah. No, I know. And I've, I ran the line test. Yeah. And it's okay. I was figured it was, I should know better than this. It's okay. <laughs> that also could have been the problem why I wasn't cutting the whole time. I didn't think about that. I doubt it, but maybe. So even if I ever ramped it into the West as no zone, still wouldn't. Still wouldn't. <laughs> And all this, you know, we, we well, do have a planned topic for the day. We do. <laughs> Thank you for calling the Devon, uh, Donovan Laser Support Center. How may I help you? I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to help you. Um, well, I'm going to have a new laser tomorrow, so hey, expect a call. Please do. I'll be waiting. Yeah. So um, I just got done. Not just. It's been a couple months. But when I finished The Legend of Zelda Playhouse... I had this little little moment of reflection because when I was a kid, Legend of Zelda was a very inf not inf formative uh, experience for me. One that has stayed with me because the games have, have evolved and progressed and they're still making Legend of Zelda games today. And it's something that was not only formative for me as a kid, it's something that is now formative for my son even more so because I am now taking things from those games, making them real. Uh, whether it's an entire playhouse that's based on Legend of Zelda or pots from the game that, you know, we can throw and break and put back together and, you know, repeat. And it made me think about the different things growing up that formed me as a personality and who I am. And, uh, especially in terms of making, how I'm taking some of those things and making them real now. And so I thought that that could be a good topic for us to maybe delve into a little bit, whether it's our past, the things that were formative to us when we were young that influenced what and how we make now, or just the experiences that helped form, you know, what we do, why we do at this point. That was my <laughs> that was my topic. I like that topic. Let's do it. So, Legend of Zelda for you, for for your first example. 
Yeah, I yeah. mean, at least for me, it seems to be in the most prevalently obvious mm-hmm. because anybody that's looked through my catalog of every of the 73 videos that I've made uh, so far, I mean, they, they seem to fall into two different camps, one being Star Wars and the other being Legend of Zelda. There's, there's little one-off projects that you know, they're in their own category, but those are the two that are most repeating. And I have a doghouse sitting in my garage right now that it's going to be another Legend of Zelda project. And so it's it's definitely, there's definitely a theme for me, uh, which Legend of Zelda is definitely, I think, the most, most prevalent theme through everything that I make. Uh, yeah, I would say I'm similar, at least from people looking at my feed on Instagram and on, on YouTube, obviously. And even this stream right here, you'll see a lot of Nintendo references. Um, so mine's a little bit more generalized uh, as far as just the company of Nintendo. Um, you know, being... And Mar- Nintendo, thanks you. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, I'm the biggest PR maker. I don't know. Um, like, yeah, like Mario Kart, obviously, or... Um, uh, Legend of Zelda. I mean, I've done several murals, as you recently discovered, Donovan. Even murals that you didn't know I worked on. <laughs> yeah, he, he messages yep. me. He's like, hey, I think I'm going to do like a Legend of Zelda room for one of my kids. I'm like, oh, I've done one of those. Oh, wait. And I sent him like a polygon a polygon what? article of the, the Legend of Zelda mural I did for a friend of mine like years and years ago. Um that was like the second of my three mural rooms that I've done with the Mario Kart being the third. Um, and it was a full like Legend of Zelda, like spirit tracks on one wall. And on the opposite wall was Wind Waker. Um, all like cell, cell shaded, like painted. Um, it came out pretty good. Uh, it was, it was definitely more ambitious than my first one. Uh, it was a good stepping stone to lead me to my third one, but yeah. And he didn't, I guess he didn't know that I did that one. <laughs> so so funny. what you're saying is that the yeah. smart move for me would be to try to convince you to collaborate, to come here and help me make Breath of the Wild room for my son. Is that what you're saying? That that works. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'll put my pitch together. I'll be <laughs> hearing from my people. All right. Um, but besides Nintendo, I would say the one thing that I experienced um, that's not necessarily an IP, but just a general thing I participated in that influenced me later on was Cub Scouts and Boy Scouts. Uh, A lot of things that I experienced then either laid the groundwork or just got me interested in several different things that I can sort of trace the lineage of my interest back to. Uh, The first one I could think of, uh, for some reason, the uh, troop that I was uh, a, a Cub Scout in. We didn't do Pinewood Derby for some reason. I don't know why. Uh, we did a different one called the Space Derby. Have you guys ever heard of this? Oh, yeah. No. Yeah. yeah. Uh, for those of you that haven't heard about it, it's it, you start with like another block of wood similar to the Pinewood Derby, but instead of carving a car with aerodynamic features, you're basically carving like a rocket ship or a, a missile, essentially. Um, and then you're putting fins on it and you're making it as aerodynamic as possible. And it's got like a little, uh, tube that's attached to the top of it. And the inside of the center of this piece of wood is hollowed out. So you can put a uh, rubber band on the inside and then a propeller on the front or a bat on the back. And that's the propulsion system. So then you wind it up and then using, you know, aerodynamic principles and all this stuff, you thread the, uh, the tube on basically like a zip line between like trees or whatever. And so they set up like four or five lines and the kids, you know, race them and also see how far they go distance wise. So there's like different awards based on different parameters. Um, Instead of just letting it go down the hill, you kind of wind it. And there are certain rules. You can't, you know, have multiple rubber bands or any other propulsion. And I forget a lot of the details, but that's the one that I did. And that was my lesson in, aerodynamics as a kid that I can trace to my interest in like NASA things and working in in the Navy on airplanes. And that was like one of the first things I could think of. And apparently I didn't know anything about aerodynamics and the, my uh, neighbor who was an older gentleman who had a workshop 
which is the first workshop I well the second workshop I ever kind of spent a lot of time in. He apparently didn't know anything either because I didn't carve enough like material off of this block of wood. I just barely like rounded the corners of this block of wood, so it was like super heavy. <laughs> so I put the thing on there, and we tested it, of course, at home. But we had no other competition to test against, so it looked like it was awesome. It looked awesome. It was like taking off. It was going down the line. It went really far. And then I, you know, raced the other kids, and it was like I just got left behind because oh, me compared to all these other people that didn't, you know, couldn't compare against before. Um, I had no relative. Uh, Starting point. So yeah, shave as much material off of this piece of wood as possible, and it'll go further. Heavier things don't go as far. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, you know, Pinewood Derby, the heavier things, because they put, like, lead weights and stuff in the back, underneath, and it lets it go faster. So it's sort of like an opposite thing. But yeah, I would say uh, Cub Scouts and then Boy Scouts uh, later on with, like, learning how to lash and tie things together. I was really good at that. So I it took that knowledge and was able to build like a lot of um, forts and stuff in the woods using like just a saw, like a handheld like camp saw and like a hatchet and like a bunch of like twine or like string basically and just lashing together like structures basically like Minecraft or some other games now and just like going between trees and like putting like layers of branches or not branches but like logs up on the top to actually climb up onto so you actually have a platform to like camp out on i would do all kinds of stuff like that and i loved it and i can't imagine how my life would be different if i didn't do those things honestly um, and then we had the uh the other one i could think of that's a standout build uh while i was in the boy scouts it was like a downhill like gravity powered racer that you sit in uh, so there's no propulsion besides just gravity. So uh, I think they're similar like a soapbox car, but not as boxy. It's more like streamlined. You just have like two by fours with like a piece of string that's like um, attached to the wheels. That's how you steer. So you just like pull. Yeah, it's like a yoke. Like basically. a luge. Yeah, exactly. Um, Straight luge. And uh, I remember making that with my grandfather. And uh, that was a lot of fun as well. Don't want to take up all our time. I'll, you guys can come back to me. I'll, I'll 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 think of something else. But how about you, Sean? What's something that stands out to you? You know, I, as you guys are talking, I was trying to think about my own childhood and the things that probably had the biggest uh, influence and impact on me. And unfortunately, it's well. Personally, I don't think it's as interesting as the story that you just told, just because I think that my my upbringing, especially between the ages of let's say four and and maybe 10 that section of my life was was somewhat secluded um i was alone i didn't have any siblings around uh, around my age so i was on my own a lot and it was really a lot of just playing with maybe a couple friends in the neighborhood um but a lot of it was simply t you know tv so you're talking about the 1980s impact of like saturday morning cartoons which, which we've talked about a lot on the show but i think the impact that it made on me um, had to do with uh, storytelling since that was like my constant exposure for for like my, my everyday content. It was almost like a uh, another sibling. And especially in the 80s because in the 1980s there was a it was a government mandate that the the programming had to be somewhat educational or at least they had to try to pitch it as being an educational way. That's where you get the PSAs at, a lot of, at the end of a lot of the shows like you know, knowing is half the battle or he-Man would have his little thing that you'd say, you know, you know, crime doesn't pay or whatever, you know, dumb trope it was said during that time. Um, but it was also during those times that I had, you know, some toys to play with, not a lot, just the circumstances at the time um, didn't allow me for to, to have a lot. But what I had were a lot of the He-Man toys. So acting out stories as I'm watching TV, as I'm kind of like um, absorbing the different things that, you know, that I'm watching probably had some of the biggest impact on me. Um, it's probably why I ended up, you know, going into writing and teaching English and all those different things later on and, and tried to pursue things that were story related. Um, I think He-Man for, for some reason might've made, made the biggest impact on me, but probably because I had all the toys right there and mainly that, um, you know, those series of toys. Uh, I don't know. It, it got me thinking about things I probably haven't really thought about at least a conjunction you know, during that time. Um, yeah, I, I think that's, that's pretty much it because after the age of 10, it's like a whole different 
um, era where it's mainly sports and other things, which um, I don't, it's weird. I, I've, I've come back around to those earlier years more in terms of interests, you know, even now when I'm teaching animation and looking at computer science and in, in the 1980s, there was a big push with, um, I don't know how, how much you guys remember, but I feel like there's a lot more science content on TV. Um, at least that I was exposed to growing up. Like Mr. Wizard's so, world or something. Yeah. M- Mr. Wizard's world. was a huge one that I used to watch a lot. So Beekman's world. <laughs> I don't know. I don't remember if I watched that one as much, but yeah, just, I mean, it was all that that I was consuming. And I think that made a bigger impact on me in those early years than anything in the, that next era of my life that I was talking about. So much so that I think I've always had a connection to it. Um, even now, I think it's why I'm doing what I'm doing as, as a profession is because of that early influence. Yeah. I mean, me me personally, uh, kind of piggybacking off that, I would be remiss if I didn't talk about Disney, because I mean, honestly, like I'm I'm wearing my Disney shirt right now from when I worked at Disney. My name comes from a Disney movie. Um, I I grew up watching so many Disney movies, and we we went on car rides a lot as a kid, and we we didn't have DVD players or anything. So my mom would take uh, Disney movies and record them on a tape. And we would listen to the movie because she wanted me to use my imagination so that I could like picture what was going on in the movie as I was listening to the movie. My favorite being Goofy Movie, because that is the best Disney movie to listen to the audio to. If you don't, if you can't watch the movie, then a Goofy <laughs> Movie. Definitely the best animated movie uh, in audio form. Hmm. But so, yeah, so much of that, I, I think just influence not only me as is a person and as a character but like again i used to work for him like it it that used to be my the direction of my career was gonna go to work for disney because that i was so passionate about wanting to do that didn't end up doing it but you know wanted to uh wanted to yeah bygone times gosh <laughs> I was trying to think of some other examples of things that I was exposed to uh, as a kid. Um, I was thinking of one that my uh, my grandfather, who I, I lived with my grandparents for a lot of my adolescence between uh, ages of five and twelve, so a similar age range uh, as you, Sean. Um, and my grandfather ended up getting a computer for our family. Back in the early 80s, it was the uh, Tandy TRS-80 color computer from Radio Shack. I had the black and white one with the yellow yellow text, <laughs> the, the trash 80. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we called it. Yeah. The other thing was a beast. It was like a giant keyboard where everything was it in the keyboard. That. And then you like wire it to your TV with a coaxial cable. And then you would have programs loaded with a cassette drive like a that you could also use as a cassette like audio player. And so I remember I had a couple in the, one of the books, it had like a, um, a basic uh, game, like programming book, like of the programming language called basic, not like, and it was also oh, yeah. very basic. And so you would have to like put 10 or it would write 10 for you. And then you write the ne- the command. And then the next line is 20. You write the next command. But for some reason, I guess my computer predated the cursor technology <laughs> where you can move the cursor <laughs> backwards. And so, so you had, you had, to, yeah, you would have to type everything 100%. Like you're talking like, you know, let's say a hundred lines of code for a kid who's like five or six years old. You have to type it exactly right. Right. And so there's um, no debugging. There, there's Those no debugging. Editing programs were horrific. You, you could not move the cursor back. So, yeah, it was like a, a physical typewriter on a screen, basically. Oh, my god. And gosh. so I'm like, oh, there's the error on line 20 out of 200 or whatever. Like, oh, I guess I'm throwing this time out of my out the window. Right. <laughs> so oh, it, was, it was horrible. But I, was, I remember learning about computer colors like cyan and magenta, how like as a kid, I'm like, I never heard of these colors. There's no Crayola cyan or magenta, at least in the, the Crayola boxes I got, you know, like the super low, like eight or 16 color boxes of crayons. 
like what is magenta cyan these aren't real colors what is this and i remember that like stands out in my mind and of course that's important nowadays you know with other rgb colors and whatnot so that was something i remember and also i remembered uh try, i had a um a, a disney like mickey mouse game that was on a cassette tape and you load in the cassette drive and it you start loading it. I remember literally having to go down and eat breakfast and coming back and maybe it might've finished loading. <laughs> and then it finally finishes. I don't remember what the game context was, but I remember that. And I remember it had a cartridge slot on the side of the uh, keyboard as well. You can accept like arcade kind of game cartridges like pong or breakout kind of things. They also had this one. It was like a trampoline game. And so it had a, two guys that held a trampoline at the bottom of the screen and they, you could run them back and forth with the joystick or with the left and right, you know, arrows. And it had a little guy jumping off a diving board or a platform and he would land on the trampoline and you'd have, to, he would like bounce up at a different angle and you had to keep the trampoline under him every time he came down after jumping. And every time he jumped, he got a little bit higher and higher and higher. And so it's a, it's a standout game. So that got me interested in games and, and making games with the basic stuff. And then I think Radio yeah, Radio Shack cause it is the main uh, culprit here because the other example I had is a, a robot toy that my I got for like a Christmas one year that was manufactured by Radio Shack, which I actually have one here, uh, coincidentally. It was like probably my favorite toy as a kid. I'm holding it up for the people that are at home. Uh, if you guys ever have ever seen this, I don't know, this is from the 80s. Uh, his name is Robbie Jr., and he had like a, a little remote control. He has a bumper on the front, and he's got arms that you can grab things. It had a tray that you could set on the front to like have him like move stuff around. And it was uh, had autonomous kind of mode that you didn't have to control it. It would like use the sensors and bumper to like interact with the environment. But you also had the remote control that you could, it was an IR one, so which kind of sucked because you had to line of sight. Line of sight. But apparently it had a mode on there you could flip on. It would say follow. And on the the robot, if you can see here on the the live stream, there are these sensors on its shoulders. And basically it would triangulate with the controller that you had. And it would, auto, it would keep sending a signal to the robot. And it would know if it needed to turn left or right. And it would actually follow you. So as long as you didn't break line of sight, he would follow you like through the house, like on like a linoleum floor or whatever. And it was super cool. I don't, I can't think of another toy back in the day that would follow you, like that. It was wireless. It was like magic. Didn't until, you know that was possible back then? Right. It was magic until it broke. Right. So apparently these had a problem where it, it took these giant uh, like D batteries, as you can see on the screen. It took four <laughs> D batteries, and the the contacts for the pa the batteries would break inside, and they would also pull off from the circuit board. And so my grandfather, it was the first time I ever learned about soldering, was that my grandfather showed me how to take this apart, you know, with a screwdriver, and he showed me how to, like, to solder. And I think I was, like, 11 or 12 or something. I forget the age. But, yeah, he showed me how to, like, solder the contacts back on, and it got it working. And it was just, like, magic to me. So that, like, definitely had a huge influential impact. You could see that in a lot of the stuff that I make now with electronics. And let me just turn him on. He actually works here for you guys at home. And he sounds really cool. And I actually repaired this guy on a live stream. This isn't the one that I'm holding up. This is not the one I had as a kid. This is one I ended up getting later on uh, on eBay because the one I had as a kid went somewhere. Who knows? This one had the same exact problem that mine had as a kid. It had broken contacts. It was sold on eBay as broken. And I'm like, I bet you it's that problem. And I, I bought it. And this is a stream I did on Twitch a couple years ago. And I actually repaired it live on stream. And I hadn't heard the thing come on uh, since I was like really little. And so I powered it on the first time and it like gave me chills. Here, listen. This is what he says. Hello. <laughs> I'm Robbie Jr. It's just like a super like pre-recorded messages. Let's go. Let's go. He has like a button on his head when you touch him. He says, let go. He gets all like smart alecky and stuff. Let's go. <laughs> And then he hit his bumper on the front. That <laughs> right, anyways, that's enough of that. And I'm sure that's annoying to listen to. But just the hello. Yeah, the audio yeah. quality is actually pretty good for, for that time. Because most yeah. audio sounded like trash. Yeah, and just the hello is like sort of robotic-y sounding. And it sounds really yeah. cool. Hello. <laughs> I know. I heard that on the stream and I almost like started crying because it was like so 
I love that toy so much, and I got it working. It's actually a project later on that I'm 3D printing some tire treads for it. The tire treads like dry rotted, so I'm using I'm going to use like TPU or like Ninja Flex filament to make some treads for them to get them mobile again. But yeah, it was a super cool toy. Loved it. Um, if you ever have your uh, kids have a chance to take a toy apart and actually help them fix it, then yeah. yeah. Oh, and Dad crafted. It makes me wonder. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Dad crafted in it the comments. Wonder, like, said, what I would... Good. <laughs> Dad crafted <laughs> in the comments said, oh my gosh, I had Robbie Sr. And so this is Robbie Jr. Robbie Sr. is the one I actually wanted and asked for it for Christmas. This is the one that I got. That one was bigger and had like a tape player in his chest. And it was like the quintessential toy that you would always ask for. And I would always get like other things instead of the one I asked for. Yeah, that, that's the one. You jerk. You have that one. Oh, I hate you. Anyways, what were you saying? I, I, I think the first robot that I saw like that was in Rocky Four. <laughs> what? They had a robot featured in Rocky Four because, you know, he was pretty wealthy after winning all those boxing and hitting the head. <laughs> and they had a, a, a robot that was about the size of a, of a kid that would roll around almost like a robotic maid. I think that's the first time I ever saw like an autonomous type robot. Huh. Um, I didn't even I don't remember ever even seeing those in the store, but I don't think I got out much as a kid. <laughs> Jonathan, you're going to say something uh, before. No, I was just going to say, I wonder like what emotions I would feel if I ever found like an old Teddy Ruxpin and turned him on. Did you have one of those? Teddy Ruxpin. Yeah, I had, a, I had a Teddy Ruxpin with three tapes and the books to go along with them. I had a lot of books with, I did, back in the day, they, they don't seem to do this anymore. But like back in the day, you would get uh, a book and you would get a tape with the book where a narrator would read like the first, I don't know, three chapters or something. And then the end of it would be like, want to find out what happens next? Got to read the rest of the book, that kind of thing, which was super cool. Cause some of my favorite books as a kid had those, um, had those accompanying tapes, but yeah, I, I totally had a Teddy Ruxpin. I think we wore the, the mat, the motor mouth <laughs> thing out just cause I mean, you're a kid, you're like, <laughs> you know, try playing with it in a way that like it's gonna wear out the gears that thing was but magic was, as a kid yeah ah it was because it talked it made noise and sound effects and it was a storyteller without having a you know a person <laughs> i think my reaction yeah, to seeing things like teddy ruxpin was like look at those rich kid toys <laughs> yeah. that's how i felt about the power glove that's i was yeah that was the toy i never got oh yeah the power yeah. glove mm-hmm but yet one you have now. Indeed. And it's in my logo. How, how funny. Cause like all, all nostalgia fueled marketing, you're, you're buying all the things that yeah. you couldn't when you're a kid, just you, you're going to have that experience. It was bad. Were, uh, were power bad. gloves only right-handed? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, no love for the left-handed people. Nope. That's horrible. Yep. Just write punches for, uh, uh, Mike Tyson's punch out, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys ever do like model kits or anything as a kid? Like the plastic ones where you have like the, the, the super like smelly cement, plastic cement and all that sort of stuff. Gosh. Yeah. I started out with the snap models um, initially, like one or two when I was younger, I, I was a teenager by the time I did my first, what I would call real model. Uh, for Christmas one year, I'd gotten a a model of the Stealth Bomber, which is absolutely huge, and had put that together and had a lot of fun with that glue in an enclosed space with no windows. <laughs> yeah. How about SD's model rockets? You guys do that as a kid? Never. Oh yeah. That catalog was like crack for me, dude. I would get like a brand new SD's model rocket catalog, and I would just like flip each page. And just go, I'm like, oh, I want this one. And I want this one. Ooh, a UFO, a space shuttle. What? Like, it would just, I never only got like two out of the, everything they ever made, like two things. Like, such a small minority. I never got any of it. But man, I was just like addicted, flipping the pages. Like, ooh, that's awesome. This one launches up and has a glider that pops off and has like streamers and parachutes and da 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 da. I love those. And again, Boy Scout related because they had our troop do those. 
You guys make me feel like I grew up in a bubble because I didn't even know any of that existed when I was growing up. <laughs> hmm. The second half of my childhood was in the sticks in southern central Virginia. Um, and I, I wasn't in Boy Scouts anymore at that point. It was just like 12 years old and before uh, when I lived in Richmond. But, yeah. Hmm. What else? And now Boy Scouts may be a thing of the past. So weird. Conversation for another time, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> maybe, maybe even a different podcast, <laughs> depending on the the way the the conversation goes. Well, I mean, yeah, I, well, I mean, because I can relate to that. My my dad was a scoutmaster before I was even in Boy Scouts, and so when I was five, I think I started going to Cub Scout meetings before you know younger than. You were supposed to go. I was going because my dad was the the scoutmaster, and then all growing up, I was involved in scouts. And then my mom earned my eagle when I was a teenager. That, seems, that sounds weird. <laughs> no, it's. I mean, I earned it, but it's like, it's it's a joke among among people that have been in scouts for that long that. Like, yeah, you got your t- two new merit badges? No, mom got us two new merit badges. Because, you know, as a mom, she's such a driving force in, like, trying to get you to focus on getting these things done because you don't realize that they're important until later. She understands it. You don't because you're a kid. You, you you don't have that, you know, perspective. But, yeah, I was – I think I got my eagle the day before I turned 18. Ugh. And then – I can't, I can't give any, I can't like puff up my own chest and say, yeah, I totally did it. No, it's all, it was all my parents pushing me and driving me to, to do it. I wanted to get Eagle, but the, the time when I lived in Richmond up until I was 12, I moved to Southern Virginia and there was a lapse in time where I was not participating in scouts because of things in the family were not compatible with that at the time. And so I missed such a such a span of time that in, in in Boy Scouts you have to have like a minimum amount of like fit, like time in each rank to be qualify for the next mm-hmm. rank, like time and rank. And I didn't have enough time left. If I did the math of the rank I was at forward to Eagle, I would have turned eighteen before I would have had a chance to get Eagle. And so like I just was like, oh, I can't do it. I can't get Eagle. Oh, well, I'm not going to do that anymore. And so I sort of dropped that after I made that realization, which is a bummer because I definitely wanted it as a kid. And I was like working towards it, but things happen, right? But I still took the knowledge and used it. What were you going to say, Sean? I was curious about it. I did scouts for a couple of years. I started out in, um, what do they call it? I think it's a Weeblows or something, like the, the lower mm-hmm. level. I went up, I think it was like a Bear mm-hmm. Scout, which is kind of like transition to Boy Scout. But the culture in my area that I grew up wasn't really conducive to that. There were a couple of people that were in the troop, but our meetings used to consist of meeting in this one guy's living room with his two-year-old kid screaming in the corner and us really not doing a whole lot. Hmm. Um, the area that I grew up in, I, most of my childhood was, you know, after the age of, let's say, nine or ten, it was all centered around sports. So that was there wasn't a whole lot of options in that area for a young male during during those years uh, it was I, I did mainly uh, baseball but you know it was wrestling you know, well I wrestled in high school basketball football baseball all the traditional stuff was what was touted in my area and if you're a young male you were doing one of those different things there wasn't a whole lot of of these other ancillary activities or skills and interests that were were promoted that I even I didn't even know they existed, you know, during that time. I would have loved to because I was actually always more of that mindset. It just that my area just did not promote much of that at all. And hmm. my family kind of was very um narrow focused on, on athletics and sports, just thinking young males have to be active and that's how you kept young males active. That's the way it was. The only sport. Well, now that we. <laughs> <laughs> the only sport I, I ever just say now that we. <laughs> Dang it! Yeah. <laughs> we you, you, you like card like to raise your hand. Yeah, yeah. The only sport I ever I ever participated in was uh, t ball, 
which I sucked at, and swimming, which I also sucked at. I failed every swim test. Uh, I, I didn't learn to swim f until I was like much later, like 12 or something, 11. Um, I wanted to. I would just sink like a rock. Didn't didn't have it in me. Like even for like Boy Scout stuff, like, oh, let's go to the you know summer jamboree. We'll go to the lake. You know, you got to pass the swim test to do the canoeing, da-da-da. Could never do it. And then I ended up doing it, and I joined the Navy where you swim all the time, at least in boot camp. <laughs> but uh, it's funny how things work out. And now Donovan's turn. Because he was going to No, say I'm good. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> I was going to spawn us off into a little bit of a topic, but it could probably be its own episode in and of itself. So I'll, I'll keep it to myself until that time. Let, let us know after the episode so we can make some note of it for a, for a future uh, episode, possibly. <laughs> okay. What are you guys geeking so, out about? Did you want to do the uh, Patreon first? Okay. I'll, I'll cut it together a little bit more, uh, a little bit smoother in the final edit. If you're listening and you want to help support this channel, you could head over to patreon.com slash making geeks and contribute to the show with your pocketbook or your purse or your wallet. I mean, I'm, I'm not judging. If you, or your piggy bank. Or your piggy bank, yeah. Or your uh, money bin. Okay. Uh, so if you want to join other patrons, no, that, if, if you want to have your other, uh, if you want to join other patrons that are doing that, you can head over to that website, makinggeeks.com. That's not the right website. Patreon.com slash makinggeeks. <laughs> and join the top patrons, Square Splinter, Jordan Rimple, and Clinton from C3D. Prop Shop, thank you guys for your donations. We appreciate you and all the patrons. Yes, absolutely. And so that said. <laughs> and as a, a note, those of you that are in the Make Geeks Patreon, if you have your address listed, you, got some, you will be getting something in the mail uh, from me so make sure to update your account if you're listening thank you so what are you guys so what are you guys geeking out about <laughs> uh wandavision oh that last episode was fantastic oh my god that was great it's almost it's really disheartening knowing that there's only one more episode left and i it doesn't seem like there's going to be a season two or, you know, there would be a season two. Yeah. I'm looking forward we'll to the, the spoiler cast. Yeah. 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 We'll have to do a wrap up of yeah. that in a, a week or two. Uh, but besides WandaVision, the other one I was going to mention, I've been playing a game with one of our patrons, uh, Jordan. We've been playing Valheim, which is a new like independent game that's on steam. It's in early access right now. It's only $20. If you like Minecraft or other survival building adventure games, it will scratch that itch. It's for early access. It's surprisingly full featured already. And honestly, the there are a couple bugs, but for twenty dollars, it's not what I thought. It's way more polished than I thought it was going to be. And the graphics have like a kind of low. Uh, polygon kind of aesthetic for a lot of the models, but the environments, they use like modern techniques for the lighting and particle effects and stuff. And so it's a neat kind of melding of old school and new school. So it'll also run on older systems as well for PC. Uh, they've kind of taken the game kind of sector on PC by storm. They, from what I understand, their development team was about five people. And then they kind of caught fire and they've just had like 5 million downloads now or purchases on Steam Huge and they're fat. still going. Yeah, dude. And then they start hiring a bunch of other people and it's it's pretty cool. It's really solid. You, you're a, a Viking. You do like um, Viking lore type stuff with like Odin and all the sort of uh, mythical creatures and stuff and you're building big giant structures. You're, you're basically, it's kind of like Minecraft, better graphics. Uh, 
stylized in a different way. Uh, it's 20 bucks, and it's definitely worth it. I recommend checking it out. Very cool. I'll go, I'll go next. Um, I've been watching a lot of a, a YouTube channel um, recently called Real Terrain Hobbies. And I, I don't even know the guy's name. But he builds these really incredible structures that are basically miniatures you'd use for like tabletop gaming. But I, I love just like the, the diorama effect. And I've learned a lot of really cool techniques for for doing things such as using like um, tissue paper and Mod Podge to, to recreate like a uh, cloth, like on a really small scale, all these different really cool sculpting techniques that, that I, that are really like, and I think I'm going to be implementing or using some of those things for a, a project I've been planning for a while, if I ever get around to it. Um, but I, I just love the, the little uh, sculptures and creations the guy's making. It's kind of a, cool to watch. He has a pretty good uh, production quality too, so that that makes it um, even a little bit more pleasant an experience. So, check him out, Real Terrain Hobbies. Cool. Um, I haven't seen it yet, but I'm kind of geeking out about Raya and the Last Dragon. Uh, I saw a couple of reviews online of people that have seen it, and uh, I'm optimistically excited for for it. Uh, it's something original that Disney has come out with, which I'm really excited about. And from what I've heard, it is pretty cool. So I'm going to take my kids to go watch that, probably in the movie theater. <laughs> Stop bragging. And uh, I, but it's it's not something I want. If I was going like every weekend, I would consider it bragging. But considering this would be the second time in a year and a half. I think I've gone to the movie theater. I don't. It's I don't more than know me. if it's quite bragging. You you don't want to know how many times we've gone to the movies in the last year? Zero. Yes, you're bragging. <laughs> <laughs> if you want, the invitation is there. You can come here, and we'll all go see it together. That's right. I'll spend less buying it on Disney Plus and watching it in the comfort <laughs> of my own home with cheaper snacks too. Yeah. <laughs> Small, yeah, cheaper smaller, snacks. smaller screen but cheaper snacks you know i the when i first saw the uh the trailer for ride of the last dragon i was a little bit kind of like put off by it just because it seemed like uh milan was still kind of fresh in my mind and i'm thinking oh yeah another asian-based story not not that there's anything wrong with it just i wanted a little bit more variety it seems like i've, I've already been in that part of the world for for that storytelling um, and then I saw a more full, uh, full-fledged trailer, and I changed my tune a little bit. It looked pretty impressive. The, the one thing I have to say about it, though, is the dragon. I cannot get it out of my head. The dragon reminds me of the hormone monster from Big Mouth. <laughs> Wes knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> Do not look, I, I don't watch that one with your kids. It's a cartoon on Netflix. Yeah, Do not watch it with your kids. Watch. No, no. Pretty funny, though. Might need to take a shower after watching it, though. Yes, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, a couple showers. I haven't seen that one. It'll it'll make your toes curl a little bit. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Your 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 beard will grow out like three inches after watching. <laughs> it. That's <laughs> true. It might. Yeah. It's a lot of those early talks that I should have had with. There are episodes that talk about like growing yeah. facial hair and other hair. So yeah, it might work. All types of hair. <laughs> I think right, well, I know the show you're talking about, but I'm afraid to Google it now. It's kids going through puberty. That's basically the gist of it. And they from, don't leave from their point okay. of view. And they don't leave it's, anything out. Yeah. No, it's and it's a very raw show. Mm-hmm. Very raw. Yeah. Very adult animated. So it's that point in the show where we'd like to direct all of you to our website or at least let you know that we have a website which is makinggeeks.com on the homepage of the site you can listen to all of our past episodes including this one and we have a contact page where if you'd like to get a hold of us directly and make any recommendations for the show um, you can do it right there at makinggeeks.com and if you have uh, insights into individual things that you that we have talked about tonight on the show and you want to come and talk to us individually about them you can find us on social media and do that. You can find Sean over at Geek Builders. Wes is at Geek Smithing, and I am at Once Upon a Workbench. 
Thanks to everybody in the YouTube chat for hanging out with us tonight. We appreciate you guys. It was always fun to interact with the stuff you guys are saying. Uh, we love to have you back next week. Well, you can find a new episode of the show every Saturday on your favorite podcast player of choice. We'd like to thank our wonderful crowd listening in live and commenting in the chat, which Wes had already kind of mentioned, but I'll say it again. <laughs> All right. So have a fantastic week and see you, see you later. What is this? Yeah, what's this? There's stubble on my cheek. What's this? Something underneath.